Good morning. Greet you in Jesus' name this morning. Appreciated the devotional and the Sunday school time. My meditation this morning is maybe somewhat of a springboard off of that. Last time we looked at the Christian armor and the similarities that Paul used in the armor of a soldier to that of Christian, Christian armor. This morning I want to look at another illustration that Paul gives us, and that is running the race. I was considering another topic, and it wasn't coming together for me very well. So I decided to chew on that a little longer and decided to go with this one. If you're going to run, what would you prioritize for preparing to run a race? It is known that athletes who enter into the Greek Olympic Games, they were subject to a 10-month training period. They were under very strict direction of judges. For that training period, they had to observe very strict diets. They were prohibited from eating certain foods. They had to exercise at appointed times in gyms, whether it was hot or cold. And they had to get necessary rest as well. They were, to li- they were to live in isolation from their family so that they would not be distracted or hindered in any way as they trained for their race. If there was any of these things that would come into play, they were immediately disqualified. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. going to look at the first two verses of Hebrews chapter 12. Very, very familiar verses. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Prior to these verses, we have Hebrews chapter 11, known as the faith chapter. And in that chapter... We have examples of those who ran the race and finished it faithfully. Hence, verse, or hence, Hebrews 12 begins by saying, 
were compassed about with a great cloud of witness. Every Christian must run the race. If Paul was the author of Hebrews here, which I would suspect he probably was, it would seem like he would have maybe an imagery that was somewhat of the Colosseum of ancient Rome. And he looked at that as an example of those saints that finished their race. You have Abel, you have Enoch, you have Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and Moses, and there are many others who have finished the race. They saw the finish line at death and crossed it in faith. And multitudes have been a part of that same race. They also crossed the finish line. And now it's our turn. The great cloud of witness is growing all the time. As believers, one by one, cross that finish line, they take their place in that cloud of witness. I don't know if you could use this as an example or not, but when you think of those that are running a physical race, there is an audience there that is cheering them on and is rallying behind them and encouraging them, this cloud of witness, could they be cheering us on? They certainly left us an example that we can certainly find hope in. This race is not a race of competition, but it is a race of endurance. No one can run this race but you. You can run beside others. But you will be the only one running the race that God has called you to run. I, have may, I maybe have shared this before, but this was as close as I could come to a physical example of running. In my last year at Maranatha Bible School here, there was a number of us guys who would get up in the morning, first thing, and we would go for a run. I'm not sure how many miles it was, but it was a good 45-minute run. We'd run all the way out to the... Uh, corner here and all the way down to Lansing, the restaurant, turn around, come back, and here. Um, that was our morning routine. It's interesting that the very first morning, there was quite a few guys that wanted to do it. I'm guessing there was a dozen or so. And you know what? Till the end, there was only five that had been faithful in getting up every morning except Saturday and Sunday, to run. If it would have been up to me, physically, I would have said, forget it. 
I'd rather stay in bed for another 45 minutes. But it was the camaraderie of those guys, those five of us guys that did that, that kept us going. It wasn't that we looked at the others that had given up as less than us. It's just that we rallied around and decided we're going to keep on pressing on. I also remember starting out in those cold mornings and as you start to get your body warmed up to running, you would kind of go through, I don't know what they would call it in correct terms, but I call it a burning zone. It felt like your muscles were starting to burn. But you kind of set the pace and you keep on and you just keep that rhythm. And eventually you kind of get through that. And all of a sudden it felt like you got on the other side and you could just go. And you could run. And there was no stopping. Running became easier. It took a little bit of hurt. The only way that you will win this race, the Christian race, is by finishing it. And when you finish it, you will receive a crown, an incorruptible crown. If you stop 10 meters short of that finish, did you end? Did you finish? No. You have to go the entire way. The race is not won by coming in first, but it's by finishing it. I would like to look at some requirements to running this race. And it's given to us here in Hebrews chapter 12. It talks about laying aside every weight. What is weight to running a running a race? If you want to run a race, you need to get rid of that weight. Everything that weighs you down. I thought of doing a physical illustration of a backpack with weight and then having somebody run across the gym in front of here, but I didn't do that. But you would get the mental picture very well. How well would you run if you had a backpack of 50 pounds or 20 pounds or whatever weight you want to put on your back? And then put a 10-pound weight in each hand and maybe another 10-pound weight on each ankle. It'd be hard. Some train with that. So that way when the time comes for a race, that they feel light and they can give it all they got and they can go faster. But to actually physically run that race, someone that has that weight is going to be someone that is going to burn out. They're going to give up. They're not going to make it. It does seem that Paul does make a distinction here between the things that weigh us down and sin. The things that get in the way are not necessarily sin. There may be things that weigh us down that are not sin. But they have a way of hindering our performance. 
We're not giving it 100%. Some examples. What about your job? Your job is not a sin. But if you have the mindset that you're going to work hard and and will work overtime and you're going to work 24-7, then is work a sin? Is work a weight? But when work hampers our race and becomes our focus, we lose sight of our goal. So, ultimately, we have to make some changes. What about sport? What about a hobby? Sports and hobby put before God definitely can become a problem, can become a weight. What about activities, recreation? You know, they're not wrong. It's when we put them in focus that they become a weight. And they can weigh us down. What about people? People? Weight? I think when we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, that is when it can become a weight. Anything that hampers our performance, our running performance, the Christian race is going to be a weight. Christian life is an endurance race. It's not a sprint. One key to finishing well is to become aerodynamic as much as possible. Runners wear light clothes, light shoes. A marathon runner would be foolish to drag behind a bunch of baggage. We spend so much time in this life preparing for the things of this life then in reality, how short is this life compared to eternity? Shouldn't we be, shouldn't we be preparing for eternity? If we're going to run the Christian race, we need to set aside these weights, the weights that are going to hinder our running. They're going to slow us down. They're going to distract us. They're going to cause us to flounder and and stumble. Second one requirement is to put off sin. One of the translations uses the example of sin that entangles us. Sin is a snare. And it will trip us up. How well can an athlete run if he's tripping? Not very good. Have you ever seen a fish in a net? It tries to get loose from the net, but it can't. It is restrict, the net restricts its movement. Sin restricts our movement. Another example I thought of, 
when I was young, little, whenever, maybe not that long ago, I don't know, I used to like to catch flies, and I like to throw them in the spider's webs. It was fun to watch the spider come racing out of its hiding spot and grab that fly and curl it right up and take it off to its little place to eat it. Sin is like a web. The spider will take its victim and it will suck it dry. It will suck the life right out of that fly. Sin will suck us dry. Sin will take you further than you ever planned to go. Jesus is the answer to freeing us from the bondage of sin. The web of sin, if I can use the spider's web as an illustration. When you entangle in sin, you will find times, you'll find time for sinful things. And when it comes to God, you don't have time. What do we make time for? Where are our priorities? What about the sin of unforgiveness? When we don't forgive someone, that is a sin. The Lord was very serious about that. He said, when you come and you make an offering and you bring this offering to the altar and then you remember that your brother has something against you, what are you to do? You're to leave your offering and you're to go to that brother and make peace. Is Jesus saying forgiveness is more important than offering? I believe offering is still important. But on the same sense, having peace with your brother and forgiveness is very vital and important to running the race. Sin keeps you from giving all your effort to God. We need to get out of that snare, the snare that the devil has tripped us or caught us in. You know, we can look at the addictions. We can look at the addictions of pornography, drug addictions, other addictions that cause harmful results. And they can, they can be very hard to get out of, to break, if you're in deep. Sin's ploy is to cause us to become attracted to it. Why can't an addict stop? A drug addict will find security and fulfillment in exercising his addictions. Sin works the same way. Why can't a gambler stop losing his paycheck every week? He, in his mind, has come, become twisted in his thinking. What he thought he had control of at one time is now 
controlling him. Can food be a sin? You know, we all need to eat. I find it interesting that Sodom, when it was given to its list of what was wrong, wasn't necessarily the idolatry and the immorality that was there. It was the sin of gluttony. Thank God there is a way that we can be free from that snare. If we were going to run this Christian race, if we're going to run and endure to the end, the weight and the sin that so easily besets us cannot be a part of us. We have to throw it aside. Thought of the illustration of Christian Paul Bunyan, the Pilgrim's Progress, in his account as he was running. Third point to this race is that of patience. Let us run the race with patience. Another word could be endurance. Just like Moses, just like Joseph, those that are listed in chapter 11, they had their race to run. We have ours to run. Our race is going to be different. Our race, each personally, each race is unique. Everyone's life is different. And the Lord placed us each in, on a different course. My race probably won't be like your race. Some things I struggle with along the way may not be your struggles. However, the finish line and the strategy to finish are the same. Also, this race, I believe is a race where the wind is going to be head on. It's not going to be a race where we jump in, we begin our Christian life, and the wind's going to blow us from behind, and we're going to have a free ride. I believe as we take on the Christian race, the headwind is going to get strong. Because... There will be things along the way to test us, to try us. And we may not, or we dare not, give up or want to go back. In studying for this, I came across the concept, too, of some of the trainers in the athlete, whatever, the Olympic, uh, way back in the B.C., a lot of them were actually probably stemmed from farmers or farm hands, and the reason they were good runners is because they were out working the cattle on the hillsides, and they would get their training from running after their animals down the mountains. 
You ever try running down a hill and you realize you were going too fast? I had the privilege of being in Michigan and running down the sand dunes. And as I recall, I don't know that I fell, but it is a propelling propelling motion that is very hard to stop. And what these athletes would end up doing is this would train their legs to propel faster than what their mind was letting them propel. And that made them become good runners. Running the Christian race is not going to be easy. Lay aside the sin and look to the finish line. Look to the goal. Paul's strategy was much the same in Philippians chapter 3. Verses 12 and 14 through 14. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12. Not as though I have already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul, Paul's example in showing us how to cut loose the sin that entangles us, that weighs us down, and we press on, press toward Jesus Christ. By faith, we are to realize we are dead to sin. Romans chapter 6, verses 6 Romans 6, 6 Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in him that for in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead. Indeed, unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God, as though that are alive from the dead, and are, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. We need to realize that laying aside sin, the weight, is going to be a lifelong process. As long as we're in this life, we have the tendency bent toward man, Adam, 
it'll be a working progress of laying aside a lifelong process. Many seek to look like athletes by imposing religion on themselves. Some seek to look like athlete by false humility or piousness. However, these self-efforts are of no value when seeking to lay aside sin. It needs to be genuine. It needs to be from the heart. It needs to be a relationship with Jesus Christ. Which leads me to my fourth requirement found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. And that is looking to Jesus. Exercising faith in Christ is the only way. As we seek Christ and learn of Him and His ways and love Him more and more, our affection for Christ is going to rise. He becomes our treasure. Not our sin, not our weight. Letting go of the weight of sin is easier if we love Christ more than we love sin. And I'm going to repeat that. Letting go of the weight of sin is easier if we love Christ more than we love sin. One who plays the lottery and is addicted to seeking riches can't stop because it's going to take one more time. But as that addictive mentality comes to the cross of Christ, Christ is going to meet those needs and will meet the needs beyond what one more time at the lottery can do. The same way with drugs. The rush, the rise, whatever happens, Christ is going to fill and make it better. But we're still in our body, and we still have to bring those things in subjection. There will still be a craving for those things. But again, letting go of that weight of sin and loving Christ more than we love the sin will help. We need to cut loose and grab hold of Jesus. Athletes, runners, are challenged not to look back. Not to look behind. 
If they begin to hear footsteps, they're instructed not to look behind. All it takes is for them to look behind one glance and they can lose one stride and they can lose the race. There's an example in 1960 where a famous race in Canada between two great runners, there was a four-minute mile, was about to be broken by the world was expecting this John Landy and Roger Bannister to do it. John Landy had been leading for most of the races, and there was only about 200 yards to go. They were coming out of the last corner when John Landy looked behind him to see where his opponent was placed. At that very moment, Roger Bannister passed him on the outside while he was looking back on the inside. He lost the race. And we'll go down in history as an athlete, a runner, who looked back. He should have been concerned about running, running his own race. But he took his eyes off that finish line, that goal, and he lost. And it cost, cost him the race. Now that's an example of competition. But I think the similarities can be there that if we're always looking behind, looking at what life was before, maybe the pleasures of sin or whatever it was, those are the things that are going to distract us and could cost us the goal. The Apostle Paul here tells us to keep our eyes. We need to concentrate on Jesus. If we look to Christ, we must not look to anything else. We have our vision fixed on Jesus. Do not take your eyes off of Jesus. It was mentioned two times already in this service about pressing on. Look to Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. How is our faith protect, perfected? Jesus works with us through the Holy Spirit. As we run the race, the Christian life, we have the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit that will supply us with the necessary things we need to help us run and help us finish. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Verses 14 through 19. Ephesians chapter 3. For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. 
looking to Christ and imitate his example of endurance. Jesus endured the cross by looking past it and to the joy that would follow. He showed, Jesus showed us how to endure hardship. When we enter into a difficult situation, don't ever think that the rest of your life will be difficult. At the moment, it may seem difficult. But if you look past it and look to the end, the goal, the finish line, you look into eternity, is it that difficult? By faith, we look to the promises of God. We look past the challenges. Look past the hardship. And remember, we're only here on earth for a while. And we're getting ready for heaven. Jesus looked forward and never looked back. As he was in his race that led him to the cross... remember that Jesus was tempted had struggles just like we and yet he endured and finished look to Jesus and look away from all other things and run run hard run long listen to that cloud of witnesses that is cheering and see Christ as the finish line. Let's press on. Let's keep the course. Let's win. That's the goal.